Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Under mounting political pressure to reopen schools, Governor Gavin Newsom has unveiled a plan to ramp up teacher vaccinations, promising 75,000 a week. Priority would go to educators currently working at schools or those who are about to head back to their classrooms. KQED's Julia McAvoy has more. Oakland and Los Angeles will run two dedicated vaccine drives per week for the next two weeks for education workers. Educators will get a dedicated code to sign up on the state's MyTurn web portal. The governor promised to help teachers in all 58 counties and said vaccines will be targeted to those working in school communities with high numbers of students from low-income families, English learners, and students who are homeless. If vaccine supply holds up, In theory, it could be a matter of weeks for California's 320,000 K-12 public school teachers to be inoculated. For the California Report, I'm Julia McAvoy. The state of California has ended its coronavirus testing contract with life sciences company Verily, a subsidiary of Google parent company Alphabet. State health officials contracted with Verily early in the pandemic to provide coronavirus testing. But questions arose around accessibility, something Verily says it worked to address. Cost also became an issue. Justin Mates oversees COVID testing in San Mateo County, which ended its contract with Verily in January. They weren't as competitive as other vendors in their ability to really implement insurance billing with their model. And so that per test cost then looked a lot more. San Mateo County says it paid Verily as much as $128 per test. In a unanimous ruling, the California Supreme Court has upheld a 2018 state law barring suspects under the age of 16 from being tried as adults. Advocates of criminal justice reform hailed the ruling as a major victory and a rebuke to a get-tough approach to fighting crime that they say emphasized punishment over the rehabilitation of young offenders. Many prosecutors opposed the 2018 California law and supported challenges to it, arguing some crimes committed by 14 and 15-year-olds are so heinous they deserve being tried as adults. Fewer than 50 minors were reportedly tried as adults last year in California. About 90% of youth prosecuted in the country are Latino, Black, or Native American. In health, psychiatric experts are warning Bay Area obstetricians to be on the lookout for higher rates of postpartum psychosis. They believe the condition, characterized by paranoia and confusion, is being exacerbated by the pandemic. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski reports. In a normal year, Dr. Jessica Coker sees two or three cases of postpartum psychosis. Then last month, she saw four cases in a row. And I was like, 
this is strange because it is such a rare disorder. When she looked closer at the data for her hospital in Arkansas, it turns out they had 10 cases during the pandemic, more than triple the normal rate. But she hadn't noticed because the cases were spread out over the year. She says other doctors should review their data, too. I can't imagine it's only happening here. The condition is often triggered by stress, and Coker says during the pandemic, new moms have had plenty of that. They've been so isolated and had so little help. Their families wouldn't come to their house because of COVID, and they didn't want people coming to their house because of COVID. At El Camino Hospital in San Jose, Dr. Nirmaljeet Dami has seen a spike in postpartum depression and anxiety. But she believes the full tidal wave has yet to hit because women are putting off care and most screening is being done through computer visits. They don't capture the final nuances of a mental health presentation. They don't, you know, generate the same level of trust and openness that an in-person visit does. With increased vaccinations, Dami hopes obstetricians will soon go back to in-person checkups so they can catch postpartum mental illness early. For the California Report, I'm April Dimboski. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. And a big change of topic here. Horse racing on California tracks has continued through the pandemic without live spectators. But as Cap Radio Scott Rod reports, people are still placing their wagers. Betting windows at California horse tracks remained closed for much of last year, but people are still betting on races. Fans wagered $2.9 billion in the 2018-2019 season and $2.8 billion last season. And that can all be explained by folks sitting on their couch wagering on horse races. Scott Cheney is executive director of the California Horse Racing Board. He says remote betting on horses boomed during the pandemic. There has been a trend away from brick-and-mortar satellite on-track attendance, but COVID has just massively accelerated that. The vast majority of bets, nearly 80%, were placed remotely and often out of state. Cheney says he's encouraged by the sustained level of interest in the sport, but says racetracks will likely see less revenue as remote betting continues to grow. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. 
Opening day for Major League Baseball is still a little more than a month away. And as coronavirus cases continue to decline, one San Diego County supervisor is hoping fans will be able to attend the opener in that city's Petco Park. Supervisor Jim Desmond has written a letter to Governor Newsom asking the governor to allow 25% capacity for opening day on April 1st. The supervisor explained why in this message he posted on his YouTube page. Padres had a great season last year. You know, they're winning, winning again, and, and they, we'd love to see them, you know, on opening day have fans in the stands. This has already happened throughout the country in different areas, NCAA games, some NFL games, even the Super Bowl had fans in the stands. Supervisor Desmond says San Diego's ballpark would implement safety measures like other sporting venues have done, including wearing masks and spaced seating. According to current state guidelines for reopening, live sporting events with fans in attendance are one of the last things that are expected to resume. Last year, millions of people marched to support the Black Lives Matter movement. That activism also inspired a campaign to patronize Black-owned businesses, which saw a surge of support and new customers. But we were curious, how much of that attention on Black-owned stores, restaurants, and cafes remains? For one Black merchant's perspective, we reached out to Hank Jenkins, the owner of Plant Provocateur in L.A. Jenkins sells plants and artisanal plant arrangements and says when attention focused on black owned businesses last year it was great at first so for me it opened a door of me connecting to many black business owners black people in general because for me i am i consider myself kind of an anomaly or isolated here in silver lake which is a very white affluent neighborhood and there are, I should say, there are very few Black-owned businesses I know of in Silver Lake. So as attention focused on patronizing Black-owned businesses last year, did you see the benefits, like increased sales and attention? Did it translate into more opportunities? It did. It really did. And I had Black customers who drove from far and wide to come to my shop to pick up plants. And they had said, you know what? We wanted to support you. And I was, it's really touching because you're like, wow, a community is seeing me. And did you also see a spike in white customers coming in who wanted to support black businesses? Yes. When last summer hit, I will say a lot of my customers, some I hadn't seen in five years, popped up and were like, we want to support you. We believe in you. We, we love you. We love what you've brought to the community here. And, um, I did indeed. I had quite a few people show up. When did that increase in sales and attention start to fade? I will say that to me, it was right around the election. And as we got into the election time period, I ran into another colleague of mine and we were talking and she said to me, she goes, yeah, black lives don't matter anymore. My business is like everything has suddenly turned and everything has sort of flatlined. So subsequently, I'm sorry to say, you've closed your brick-and-mortar store down. You've had to move sales online, and you're trying to get some sort of pandemic uh, assistance or loan. Are you going to make it? That's a good question. I'm a realist. I'm doing a complete rebuild after the pandemic of my business, which is very challenging. And um, I'm being hopeful, and I'm looking to... Uh, you know, the big buzzword of <laughs> the past period has been diversify. 
I'm looking to diversify even more so to reach more people with what I'm doing, and hopefully people will respond to that because what I do and my business is about wellness and plants and beauty and things that make people feel good. I want people to have that because it's hard enough trying to live in this world. So why not, if this is something that I love and I'm passionate about, why not share that with people? And as long as people respond to it, I will be here. Well, I hope there's always a market for beautiful plants. And Hank Jenkins, owner of the Plant Provocateur in Los Angeles, thanks for talking to us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it as well. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Reports Weekly Magazine. This week, letters between best friends who met in prison. My hope is that today your joy doesn't feel contained by the walls that surround you or the judgments of those who don't know you because they've been taught not to see you. Otamu Chan and Edmund Richardson met in San Quentin prison. Chan was released this fall, but Richardson is still inside and still recovering from COVID-19 as a so-called long hauler without being able to see his best friend. It's hard to take on the weight of the world alone, but with you, everything was bearable. I am truly happy you're home where you belong. It's an intimate look at the bond between two men from KALW's Uncuffed podcast. That's this week on the California Report magazine. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And that is the California Report for this Friday, February 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, personalcapital.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 